yeah we after that combo we had i was like made a note like move all my money off coinbase after the podcast yeah for sure (laughs) yeah i keep like i'll i'll use like one of the platforms essentially to because it's easier to just buy like through certain apps and then i like Mm -hmm. transfer it to my wallet because i'm like i don't know what's happening in the short term but in the short term i'm just keeping it in a hard hard wallet even now people are saying uh wallet so many wallets have been uh hacked i think it was yesterday like 20,000 of them and I'm just like oh god nowhere is safe you gotta like straight up keep it on a USB like yeah 40 feet from your computer just in case you know what I mean like yeah no I don't think any of the well we had like the bridge hack yeah and well Mm -hmm. Vitalik Buterin said that a lot he's like bridging between blockchains is not going to work like we can have multiple blockchains and obviously that's what happened the other day with that hack and then the more recent one with uh, the software wallet that was integrated with Solana. But yeah, that was because they just had like plain code, like where people could see their like seed information, basically, which is just <laughs> stupid. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. Really stupid, but, um, it's like the Wild West, and I think that's why I it like is. it. I'm like, this shit is just lawless, and I'm here I mean, for it. <laughs> I mean, it's good until you can screw it. Like, I need the law, please. <laughs> <laughs> Please intervene. We How do I get my money this. back? This is great. Uh, this is good. <laughs> Wait, maybe we should all have a crypto podcast because yeah. I've been looking for some people to start one of those. Oh man, I would actually love that. Welcome back to another episode of Health Unfiltered. Today, I've got my co-host, Roboat, as I like to call him here with us. (laughs) And we have a special guest. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Excited to have you. I'm so excited. And I'll do a quick intro for Lisa, for people who are not familiar. Lisa is a money and investing mentor for entrepreneurs. I've worked with her, and she's absolutely incredible and changed my whole perception of money and investing, just adding that in there. Um, But she has leveraged 18 years in the investment industry and fintech, along with her education as a health coach to help women eliminate money stress, gain financial clarity, and feel confident building wealth. So welcome. What a fabulous intro. Thank you. The podcast is done. Yeah, boom, that's it. That's all you need. (laughs) Check out her Instagram. Uh, Well, what brought this podcast topic on is when we were in school, Nicole and I did the same master's program. Nicole isn't here with us. RIP, as Ro likes to say. Just kidding. She'll be back. (laughs) Um, But one of the dimensions of health is financial wellness. And we don't know. We're not experts. So I thought it would be fun to have an expert come on and talk about this dimension of health and wellness and give us some perspective on relationship with money and some of the different things that tend to come up like lack and scarcity. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm financially Is anyone drinking? That's what I am. Actually, uh, we were talking yeah. earlier, and I think you're good. I think I think we'll talk about this in a bit because I want to know what everyone's drinking before it's we dive into Good to be broke, that. baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Nicole, you drink any? Er, Nicole, sorry, Lisa. Nicole, you drink anything what, as you listen to the podcast? Okay. Uh, yeah, Lisa, are you are you drinking anything? I am. I'm one of those people that always has like my multiple drink scenario going on. So um, I've got. My afternoon king coffee uh, over here, and then I also have—I love warm water with lemon. It's so simple, but you got to muddle the lemon in it so it's like a cocktail. Like the way that I think about fruit in my water is if—if if you're not muddling your fruit into your water, are you really even living? Ooh, I like tip. to create experiences. Like experiences, I love it so, so much. Fun. I don't even. That's know why what I love following means, you on socials. So it's crazy. <laughs> like. <laughs> I am not living uh, if that's a standard. So, <laughs> well, maybe oh, you're wow. you're li- you're living in different ways. You yeah, know? you're right. <laughs> the wrong way. So, I guess. wait, but I need I need more clarity because I want to do this because I have a lot of lemons. Do you do like warm, like you've warmed it in a tea kettle, or is it just like lukewarm, like room temperature? I will warm it in a tea kettle. Yeah, 
I mean, sometimes I'm lazy. I throw it in the microwave, but um, easiest way. (laughs) So I warm it up. Uh, If it's early in the day, it's usually on the stove. And then, uh, yeah, I let it cool off a little bit that way. And then I just, I slice my lemons like at the beginning of the week, just because life gets busy and I toss them in there and I take my muddler and muddle it. Nice. Nice. Now I know what to get Roe for Christmas, a muddler, yeah. since he doesn't even know how to do that. <laughs> I would get it and be like, I don't know what this thing is. I just mash it. Like, that's what I do. Basically. Cool. Oh, man. Uh, let's see. What am I drinking? I'm drinking a blood orange cider. I'm sure I've had it on here before. It's my one of my favorite ciders here in Albuquerque. Uh, this is my last podcast in Albuquerque. We're moving to Scottsdale, um, I guess, in a couple days because this will come out uh, <laughs> soon. Um, so cheers to Albuquerque, cheers to my friends and people I consider family here and hope to, hope to see you soon. So, um, yeah. Cheers Cheers. to new adventures. Mm -hmm. That's exciting. I am excited. So I'm excited as his friend for him to be done in freaking school. (laughs) So close. I'm so freaking close. Yeah. Woo. It's all good. And then I just, you know, I'll only respond to Dr. Al Zolo. Like, what was that? Robo? No. No, that man Can is I call dead. you Dr. Robo? A, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Throw some respect on my name. Yeah. Amazing. Oh, I have like multiple beverages in front of me today too, but I did make one of my favorite mineral mocktails recently. I've been trying some new combos. This is a tart cherry juice and aloe juice. But hear me out. I was really skeptical when I learned about aloe juice. I was like, it's going to take freaking freaking weird. I'm thinking about the plant that's like gooey, but it's not like that at all. And it's got a little, I put lemon juice in here as well. But there's an amazing source of manganese, magnesium, calcium, and all this stuff in aloe juice, more so than coconut water. So I was like, I'm going to give it a shot. And I will say, I like the combo. I've added a scoop of my um, adrenal mineral mocktail. So there's extra salt and vitamin C. Um, and a little bit of lemon juice. I think I said that. But it's really tasty. And I put it in a wine glass. So, like, I feel fancier. <laughs> right. The experience. Yes. <laughs> did you did you muddle the lemon juice into it? or I will it... next time. Because, <laughs> because we just need to level it up. Yeah. Not fancy enough. That mocktail sounds amazing, though. Because I'm also into the aloe juice. I mean, I more just take a swig of it. So, I love learning these Take a these swig things, of it. But, I mean... I can only say that aloe juice, like the smell of it reminds me of like, you know, if you're blowing up like a new pool float and like the smell really is like <laughs> I awful. Yeah. But like if when you know the health benefits, you're like, okay, I'm cool with it. It doesn't really taste <laughs> as bad as like it smells. I would say that. No, right? the lemon makes a big difference. And then I'm curious, like maybe I should try making my own because I have this aloe plant that's like going to blow up. It's like there's so much ready to use. I wonder if I could make my own. How would you do, do something? that? Like juice it? I am assuming that they're. I, I mean, I don't know. I have all that. Yeah. I have honestly no idea. I'm probably gonna sound really stupid on the podcast. Someone's like, "That's not how you do it." <laughs> I would assume you would just mix part of the aloe with water and just like make yeah, your own. That's what I would think. Yeah, my my grandma had a like an aloe. I guess like because it's like a cactus, right? So uh, that she would put on stuff for when people were sick. I don't really remember, but um, yeah, I'm sure she figured out a way to do it. This is the family wisdom you're supposed to be holding on to. I know. I know. They're like, we have literally millennia of things. I'm like, I like to exercise. I study that. So, like, nothing (laughs) useful. But Uh, you can, like, learn so much from what, like, your grandparents and stuff used to do. Like, my my grandmother used to go out into the yard and pull up dandelions. And I'm like, why is she pulling up weeds? And now I'm like, oh, dandelion roots great for you. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Man. For real, there's like so much lost wisdom in that, and we think we're smarter because yeah. we have TV dinners and supplements. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so true. Oh they were God. the real pioneers of nutrition. For sure, they really were. Alrighty, um, we do have a question of the week. Uh, this one's for you, Brooke. So I got this earlier. It was I recently saw Brooke post about how not all probiotics are created equal. Uh, What should we be looking for in a probiotic? I love this question so much. And whenever I talk about probiotics, people are always shook. So we'll just have this conversation. Um, But I really view probiotics as a temporary aid that help us build 
the normal flora of the gut that needs to be there. So they're not something that needs to be there all the time and long term. Rather, we can use them as a tool to inoculate whatever we're missing in the gut microbiome. And then your diet and your exercise and your stress management and all of those things help to make sure that that great environment stays that way. So you actually can over supplement with probiotics. And that's why I don't think you need to take one every day. There are certain types that are actually spore-based for other practitioners who might be listening who are like, ooh, let's nerd out. So there are some that are safe for longer term, but most of them are not. You don't need to. You can actually overpopulate and have too much of a good thing and cause dysbiosis in other ways. Or dysbiosis is like, think about like the seesaw. Like you're, you're just tilting the scales one way or the other, and it can be too much or too little. So I honestly don't recommend probiotics unless I've seen someone's poop test. If we're being honest, um, I really like to look at the what's really going on before I'm like, this is the strain for you, because I need to understand what's going on in the microbiome and then what the symptoms are too, because different probiotics help with different symptoms. So that's my spiel on probiotics. So instead of focusing on like, oh, I'm going to take a probiotic pill every day, I would encourage you to actually eat fermented foods every day. Eat one fermented food every day and then make sure your diet has lots of good fibrous foods, right? Those That's a part of a carbohydrate. Um, fiber, so that's why I'm also pro-carbs. But some examples of fermented foods you could eat daily as your version of a quote-unquote probiotic would be yogurt, Greek yogurt, kefir, tempeh actually is fermented soy we've got sauerkraut and kimchi those are my favorites i have with breakfast i do like potatoes eggs sauerkraut a little bit of avocado it's an amazing gut healthy plate (laughs) um you also can even do things like cottage cheese pickles um kombucha is one i would just be careful with kombucha because sometimes it really is just like a sugar bomb and we don't want too too much added sugar there but um and then pro tip with the sauerkraut pickles or kimchi just lightly like tilt the jar don't go crazy. Don't go ham and like shake it. It'll explode. But just lightly tilt the jar to coat whatever you're about to pull out of the jar and all of those beneficial microbes that have been fermented and that are living in that jar. So that's my pro tip there. Beer's fermented, right? Beer's a probiotic. But yeah. Alcohol is not good for your <laughs> gut, but okay. <laughs> I don't know, man. Show me the data and then I can ignore it anyway because I'm pretty sure it's clear that it's not great for I'm you. S- <laughs> I'm still waiting for the podcast episode where you actually do the gut health test and let Nicole and I just like lie. Oh, shit in a cup, the send it to me. I don't care. That, like I said, it's going to say the best ever. And they're going to say, wow, how did he survive eating protein bars and Greek yogurt every day for the past four days or four years? And I don't know. It's just the way we do it. <laughs> Some you guys people are. Actually- Oh, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, no, I was just saying some people are built resilient, some others not. I'm (laughs) steel trap, steel trap my stomach. That's hilarious. Do you guys remember when kombucha actually used to have just a little bit of sugar? They've added so much to it over the years. So good. Yeah. Love it. I don't like really sugary things though. So I like it to be crisper with less sugar personally. No, no, I just, I get it. And then I add in like three tablespoons of sugar. Like it's not sugary enough, you know. You've got like the Mary Poppins <laughs> technique, yeah. just a spoonful of sugar. Yeah, oh, that a thing everything. Right <laughs> <laughs> oh, Amazing. Man. So today's topic I kind of introduced, but we're talking about the dimension of health we've never covered, which is financial wellness. What does that mean? Why is it important? And what are things that we can do to improve this area of wellness in our own lives? So let's go ahead and dive in. And I want to start by you telling us your story in finance, Lisa. I've known you more recently. And as I mentioned, we worked together, which was tons of fun. But I feel like you've had a big transformation in your career and how you support people with finances. So can you share what that has been like? Absolutely. So I would have to say like my, my personal story really starts, you know, more personal before it was obviously my profession for the majority half of my adult life. Um, So what I learned as a kid, my parents are really responsible with money. So I had good models in terms of like, they, they were big with budgeting and like carefully planning and all those things. My dad from a young age taught me (laughs) to, he was big into like cash flow real estate. So my dad and my uncle owned a few apartment buildings when I was younger. 
And so I always saw the value of making your money work for you. For me, it wasn't, you know, I never really got into real estate because I liked moving around, but I really did have good role models in terms of like how, how to manage money well. So um, beyond that, really right after college, right after I graduated college shortly after 9-11, where the economy was pretty rocky, I had majored in marketing, so I thought I would be in marketing, but it was a little bit tough to find jobs. And so I ended up working for a financial company and I thought, oh my goodness, like my parents, even though they taught me great things about money, I was always the kid that was, I was like, no, I'm, I saw the value in saving money and making it work for me. But when it came to like organizing my money, I think since I have more of like that scroll, almost ADHD brain, that like I'm, I'm, I wasn't gonna balance my checkbook. Like this was when debit cards were just coming out, okay? Like I'm 42, so this is like dinosaur ages. So there were certain things where my parents like tried to instill these habits in me and I just like more rebelled against them. And so um, I started off working in the financial service industry and I learned about investing that way because I was opening investment accounts like 529 plans for our kids, which is like a college saving plan for our kids. And then um, beyond that career, I decided to move out to, I was in Massachusetts, I moved out to California and I started working for asset management firms in trading. And I absolutely loved trading. It was fast paced, all the things. And even though I went into working in finance thinking I was bad with money, like this is what I really thought. Like I wasn't a numbers person. I didn't do well in algebra in high school, all the things. Um, I was actually really quick to like with number sequences and, and things like that. So I really excelled in that career. And then I really just moved up the corporate ladder there. So um, in that part of my career, everything revolved around the stock market um, portfolios, trades, and all of that. So I more had the mentality early on, and we can talk about this a little bit later too, that in order to invest my money, like I had to trade it. And so I learned by losing money <laughs> that you didn't, that really wasn't the way. And so I learned a lot of things. Um, <laughs> I learned a lot of things about that. And I'm like, okay, investing is more boring. Okay, I get this. But I also need some, I need some level of excitement with money. Sure. So, so I was like, how can I balance all of this? And so I was trying to think of like a money management system for myself because here I am working in trading in LA right next to Beverly Hills. Like it felt like a really fancy job. And then the 2008 financial crisis hit and I'm investing the money that I'm making. Um, I'm not saving any money. And so... I felt like panic and fear every single day with like being on the front lines of people panicking and wanting to like, you know, sell all of their investments and, and all the things. So I panic sold my investments thinking I could lose my job and I don't have money in savings. And so I was really forced to create a system for myself, even though I wasn't big into budgeting, I figured out a way to bucket my money that worked really well for me. Um, and so that's how I was able to get ahead with, with money. I had a lot of realizations as to what I was doing wrong during that recession. So from that, I was able to put systems together for myself that worked, that worked really well for me. So um, I ended up investing really well for myself. I went during that recession, I pretty much added a zero to my net worth, going from $25,000 to about two, just under 250000 uh, which was really exciting. And then I was like, freedom, right? I wanted, to, I took just over a year and a half off from working, which was great. I got to travel a lot. Um, so investing really provided me with a lot of opportunities. Um, but finally, I decided that, um, you know, I really just, I missed financial markets. Um, I had really developed just a passion and, you know, for them and a real like for investing. So um, I started working at a financial technology company, which was so exciting to me because um, I got to help them build out their platform, which allowed, you know, financial advisors and, and all these people at uh, investment banks, basically, to use our, 
our wealth management tools and our trading tools um, in their businesses, basically. So that was super exciting uh, to understand like the financial technology side of investing. And so I stayed there for five years. I absolutely loved that. And then I got to a point in my career um, where I, I decided to, I've always had a passion for health and nutrition. So this podcast is a great fit for me. Um, <laughs> I be, became a health coach when I took that big year and a half off from working. And then I also decided to pursue uh, my certification in nutritional therapy as a nutritional therapy practitioner. So I did that um, in 2018. While I was working in FinTech, I had continued to move up the corporate ladder there. Um, and I really just decided that my job was becoming really, really stressful. We were bringing on these massive clients. You know, we had a couple trillion dollars in assets on our platform. My team alone, I had a team of eight people who was supporting, they were supporting about just over $200 billion. Like large sums of money were what we dealt with every single day. And when you're dealing with the top financial institutions in the world, they're tough clients. And so <laughs> that was really, imagine, yeah. <laughs> every day was like a fire drill. And so my health oh, wow. was beginning to impact my health. And I felt like it was going to have a breakdown, <laughs> like a mental breakdown at any point in time. Even though I loved the company that I worked for, my career just wasn't sustainable. We couldn't hire people fast enough. Um, and all the things, our, our clients were very like hard to please, even though a lot of them were amazing to work with. So I really had to take inventory. And I got to the point where I had to take my nutrition exam. And I was like, I had all this pressure at work. I was like, if I don't put in my notice at work, like I'm, I'm like, this is going to be my breaking point. And so I wasn't expecting to leave my job when I did. But I knew that I wanted to pivot into nutrition. I just didn't like know how I wanted to do that. And I learned so much about the effects of stress on the body. And I was going through it personally. And then afterwards, once I left my job, I'm like, money is a huge source of stress for people. Like, how can I help women with this? And I was like, I have the answers. So that's really my story. And when I created my business and why I created my business, because I wanted to help women manage money, you know, work through the emotions of money. Um, and not have it be a source of stress in their lives. That's neat. It's very full circle. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I think the best, but the people that are like the best at what they do, they've lived it. Like they're not just yeah. like, hey, this is a good idea. It's like, no, I've lived it. I have frontline chaos, baptism by fire, like yeah. almost had a breakdown. My health was not doing well. And then I realized, I know how to pull myself out of this and I can help other people do it too. And sure. so I think I freaking, I'm, I love those good stories. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, it's never pl pleasant to like live it in real time, but when you, whenever you look at your journey in hindsight, you're like, Oh my gosh, all the pieces make sense. Like, yeah. you all, yeah, yeah. you're like, as to like how you got to where you are today. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> I think that a lot of people can probably relate to finances being something that's overwhelming or stressful. Why do you think money is such a stressful topic for people? Yeah, so I think by design, we're not taught anything about money in school, right? Um, and if you think of like the things that we really learn in school, a lot of things aren't applicable in the real world. Um, and so I really think that people naturally just you know, they're thrown into adulthood with insecurities about money because they don't know anything about it. You know, like, how do I manage my money? Um, how, do, like, what am I, you know, I figure out how to make money by working, right? People think that, okay, I got to have a job and that's how I make money. I, I, I move up and I just, you know, follow the system of making money. That That's how I do it. But when it comes to I think you can really compartmentalize money into making it, number one, and then having it, number two, and number three is more managing it. And that's where investing comes in. And so people have a lot of insecurities because they're never taught about how to manage money. And it's just expected that people know this. Um, and so I think that's where a lot of stress comes from. It comes from that. And then also what what people's experience is with money, what's modeled to them, you know, as a child, 
you know, what, what were your parents' habits with money? You know, other people in your family, your caretaker, whoever it is. Um, and that's, a, you know, a lot of when our subconscious is formed, right? Before the age of eight years old. So if you have a household where it, like your parents are fighting about money and, and things like that, it can automatically just, that can become your experience where you feel stressed out by it because that's what you've learned. And so as we get to adulthood and throughout our lives, we really have to be aware of our thoughts, right? Our subconscious rules like 95% of our life. So observing thoughts that come into your mind about money and kind of taking it apart, peeling back the layers of the onion. Is this just a thought? Is this really true? And if it's a thought that you don't, don't like, like how can you reframe it into something more positive to so that money is not so scary for you. So it's really, you know, money can just be so multi-layered that every person is different, much like with nutrition. Yeah, I do love that you said that a lot of it depends on how you grew up. Because I think about my parents, like I lived a very comfortable childhood. Parents were good at saving. Uh, they invested in real estate because they were real estate brokers, but my dad works for Allstate. Uh, but my mom, I don't know why she always like, it always stuck in my back of my head. Um, she'd be like, you know, you can always make more money. And so we were talking about this off air, Brooke and I, like a lot of times I'm like, oh yeah, I like lost money, but like, whatever, can make more, you know? And I think that's just so much of my mom being like, yeah, we're kind of in a tough spot maybe this month, but like, we can always work a little more, make more, invest a little better, whatever. And like, that was not something she like actively put in my brain, you know, where she was like, listen, Mijo, <laughs> you could always make more money. But it's just something that like always stuck with me. And um, I think that's a huge reason why I, I feel comfortable regardless of like where I'm at. Um, and then also came up with a family, my entire family is like entrepreneurs, like all my uncles own something, all of my aunts own something or own something. So it's like, yeah, if I like never got like a job that I liked or something like, I know I can make money with specific skills that I have, whatever, you know, and Casey doesn't love that thought process, you know, because <laughs> she's like much smarter about things, much more technical. But I'm like, eh, you know, can always do something else or can always make more money. And that's because of how they raised me or what they were talking about while I was young. So that's yeah, cool. So cool like you never yeah. had that scarcity mindset modeled to you, right? So yeah, that's a that's a really good thing. Because even though my parents were my parents were my parents were really good with money, but also, you know, like really strict budgeters. So I also had scarcity around that. And then when I started making more and more money, I just spent more and more money because like that scarcity around like budgeting, I wanted, I'm like, freedom. Like I want to <laughs> spend it. So I had to learn this balance of, okay, how do I manage my money in a way that works for me where I don't have to, you know, like yeah. count numbers constantly every single week or month. That's such a great point is like, even if you did have really good money role models, it still like might not be an aligned way that makes sense for you. Like, so I think that's a really good point to highlight there. So obviously we've had some chaos the last few years, especially in the world that has ultimately led to a lot of financial crises, plural. Mm -hmm. um, I think that the lack and scarcity mindset is definitely pretty common and it, it can get like triggered in these types of times. So how can someone reframe this instead of just getting kind of like stuck there and be like, okay, I see where this is coming from. How can I begin to work through this? Yeah, and I think money money is just so multifaceted because I'm equally invested in like the energetics and the woo side of wealth too. So like I do things to support my the way that I think about money by not necessarily living in my past or past mistakes. A lot of times we can live in past mistakes and I often find this with women that like they're afraid of being imperfect with money. It's like this this thing around perfection, right? It's like, if I do something wrong, like they're just, they're paralyzed by, by the fear. Right. And so I think there's, 
in, especially in, in environments like this, like that fear is so heightened because mm-hmm. that's it's essentially what, what, you know, moves financial markets. It's like periods of fear and greed, right? And so if you don't understand how money works and how to make your money work for you, you're going to feel really insecure with that. So how can you begin to change your mindset? Like, how can you support yourself where you're observing your subconscious, like things that you're telling yourself about money? Like often I hear, I'm terrible with money. I'm just bad with numbers. I used to think the same exact thing. And if I didn't choose to rewrite that story in my brain, I would have never been successful in my career because I would have just been like, I'm bad with money. I don't know why I'm here. Like, you know, and I chose for that not to be my story. Right. Um, just because in high school I got a D in algebra doesn't mean that I can't be an investor. And so it's just a matter of like liberating yourself from these limiting beliefs. And it's as simple as observing your thought and just deciding if something sneaks in, like to flick it away. Also, like your judgments of other people, like how they spend money, how they interact with money. If you're you know, when I first like lived in California, I'd remember like driving around. I was right, you know, I drive through Beverly Hills a lot, lots of fancy cars. And I'd be like, oh, you know, like that must be nice for them. Or you know what I mean? And I realized that I learned these things about like I had these ideas of like super wealthy p- people that weren't necessarily true. And I was like, that's not true. I don't know that person. Like that guy, just because he has, you know, like a Lamborghini doesn't mean he's a jerk. So we have to just understand where our thoughts come from. And um, in times of fear like this, like really leaning into not just what you're thinking, but also um, like the thoughts that you have about money, but why do you feel fear? And it's usually a lack of education. We're afraid of what we don't know, right? And so how can you lean into that and improve your education so that you can feel more secure with your finances. I think that's great advice. Yes. I thought Ro was going to say something. So I was waiting, but Ro can edit that out. (laughs) The joys of multiple people trying to podcast at the same time. No, I think that's a perfect example. So what does a healthy finance routine look like for you? Like, I think I hear a bunch of different things. I know I know someone who every day she gets up and like looks at her money and her finances and does all the things, but to someone else that might be very stressful. Um, And then I also think like you'd mentioned, there's other pieces to money, like the woo or the energetics. So like what are parts of your financial routine? What does that look like in just having a really juicy relationship with money? Yes. And so I think it's a, it's, it's been like multiple years of practice and, and it keeps evolving right? Like ways that I support myself and I love learning new things. Um, So right now um, in the morning, I usually will wake up and I'll go right into like a 15, 20 minute meditation. I'm very much into Dr. Joe Dispenza's practices where, you know, I have visualizations and rather than, you know, I want to embody what my highest self is, like my wealthiest, most empowered self, like how does she show up? And so embodying that, being in that mindset and bringing that into my day. So like my morning meditation in front of my red light is is a big part of my routine. And then for me, other than that, um, I look at financial markets every day. I'm a huge (laughs) investing nerd. So, you know, when I have my coffee in the morning, I'm usually looking at market news, like what happened overnight in different, uh, different parts of the world. Um, looking at stock market, looking at crypto, all of those things. Um, but I'm also very comfortable with that. So I know that finances, like we talked about, can be very triggering for people. So it's not necessarily, if money is very triggering for you, you have to balance how often you look at your finances because you don't want to get into that emotional like turmoil that's going to have stress on your body. So um, I would say like I have created systems for myself with my money where I don't have to look at it every day. But on Fridays, I usually go in and I have like little mini money dates. I look at my business finances. I look at my personal finances. I usually will pay my credit cards weekly um, because I like doing that. I think that's a really great practice, especially if you 
pay for your, like a lot on your credit card to get points and stuff. Um, and so it's just these little habits that I've built for myself and a system that, that works really well for me, but everyone is so different. And so it's so like, there are certain guiding rules around money and building wealth, right? But it's really so like, you can really customize it to yourself and have, have fun with it. I think people get so intimidated by numbers, but I'm like, just like, let's think of ways to like infuse the fun. Cause I'm all about finances being fun. So where it doesn't feel like such a chore and you're making it like an experience. If you have a money date and you're looking at numbers, like grab a glass of wine, grab a mocktail, whatever it is for you, like put on some tunes, put on your fuzzy slippers, <laughs> like make it, you know, like just whatever the vibe that, that you need for you. Um, and, and that's going to help you create sustainable money habits. And I think a lot of people are like all in, or nothing, whether it comes to like nutrition and like following fad diets, same thing with money. And I don't think that like strictly budgeting for a lot of people is really sustainable. So like we're living in an, an amazing age of modern financial technology. I'm a huge geek when it comes to that. So how can you incorporate that? So like your money has a system and you just have to check in from time to time and you're just building these little sustainable habits that you can just build upon over time. Yeah. I think that's one of the favorite things you taught me was that these money rituals don't have to be this drag or like, it's not your parents sitting down at a desk to balance a checkbook anymore. Like make it a vibe and have fun and like, don't let those old stories like shape the energy of like even showing up for yourself and your own personal finances. Yes, exactly. And yeah, just make money not so scary for yourself and don't be like intimidated by it because Wall Street makes investing seem so complicated and it's not at all. I think the more I learn, I'm like, huh, I'm like they definitely make this one of the most intimidating spaces to learn about, but it can be really fun and exciting and it's not all that complicated. I mean, I haven't like tried to learn the technicals of reading charts quite yet, but like understanding it and like having a basic education can be really empowering and it's not that that hard. Yeah, it's super empowering, especially when you see your money growing. You're like, oh my gosh, this works. Like, okay, I'm going to keep spending less on things that I don't care about and keep investing my money. And you're going to get really excited by excited by that, right? Um, yeah. And, and I think those little like wins and celebrations too are really fun. Like right now I have a super boring approach in a market like this. And I'm just like, Ooh, like my high yield savings account interest is here. Like this is exciting. <laughs> like you just like have to have fun. I'm like, Ooh, it, Hey, it all counts at this point. So you just got to get excited about that little 1%. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, if they're raising interest rates and that impacts your high yield savings, we were at like one and a half, two percent, you know, take that and celebrate that. Yeah, absolutely. These markets. Yeah, it's going to be investing for most people is going to be boring. It's not about reading charts. That's where a lot of people lose money. I lost 10 grand on one investment once because I was like, I can invest in this penny stock. No, even though I worked in the industry. <laughs> I was like, okay, that was a lesson because that's a very volatile investment. I had such conviction in it. Like even these days, I'm like, it's not ever going to like come back because I really liked the, it was like a health company and cell technology. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's going to be super boring, but you can inject fun. Like you can create like a, you know, maybe it's like whatever sum of money you're okay with losing each month. I think it's okay not it's okay not to invest perfectly and allow yourself to play a little bit because you're going to practice and you're going to get better. You're going to realize what works and what what doesn't. Just don't get into like thinking that you have to trade like certain professional traders do like watching charts and all of that because the majority of people that do that lose money and you don't want that to be like your whole experience. But if you're just like you're like 5% of my portfolio I'm going to play with, that's going to be enough for you to just you know, go crazy. <laughs> yeah. I feel like every single person has that experience though. Like every person has that experience. That's just how you get better, you know? 
you usually if you're not if you don't have that experience in some capacity you're really not taking like enough risk or you know maybe you just want to like you're okay with just money not being you know money is just like you're going to automate all of it and you don't want to be that interested in financial markets that's okay too I do think this is one of the most interesting times in history to start paying attention because it's just so wild, especially, you know, we had talked a little bit before we had actually officially hit record just about what's going on in the world of crypto and how these things are changing. And we have this whole new asset class that people are just figuring out. And we've seen some horrible things happen this year. Um, But it's it's wild. This is what I do at night. I don't watch like reality TV anymore. I like get on Twitter spaces and I read the news and I'm catching up on international politics because I'm fascinated. And I'm like, I don't need reality TV. Like we are living in one of the wildest freaking times. Like I'm just going to pay attention and then watch how everyone else reacts because I want to see when people hear news, what are the markets going to do? What's going to happen? So it's kind of fun. um, Even if you don't feel comfortable necessarily like putting skin in the game or trading in this type of environment or like have a more conservative investing plan. It's cool to just like pay attention and hear what is happening and what traders are doing and like how they're making moves and why and what the general sentiment is. So I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. I love that. I think that's amazing. Yeah. When you can understand just like macroeconomics at a basic level, like that's just going to help you in life like so much and just observing is amazing. You know what it makes me think about is those like elaborate TikToks where someone will set up like they push a domino and then all these things happen throughout their house. Like that's what it's kind of like (laughs) watching the financial markets. Yes, it's really observing human behavior is fascinating. And Warren Buffett, who is one of the greatest investors of all time, this is what I told myself during the recession of 2008. It was so scary to really start investing aggressively in 2009, especially after being burned. Like I just started investing right before that recession. Um, And he has, he says to be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. So when that time was super scary for me, I was like, okay, it's scary, but it's essentially like Black Friday on all of these investments and good companies. So I'm just going to buy. And that's, I mean, it led me to buying, well, it was shortly after that. That was close, that was 2012 when I bought Tesla at $20 a share. And then, you know, I've always been learning along my investment journey because I sold it because people were like, it's a brand new car company. Like, can this guy really do it? And I was like, can okay maybe this is like really like overvalued and it's not worth it that's like the one investment that i kicked myself to this day because that one thousand dollars that i invested into tesla would be worth about you know just under fifty thousand today around that there i agree um this leads me into the next question i'm curious to hear what you're gonna say we get like obviously a lot of really terrible myths, right? With like health and nutrition, like don't eat carbs. Ter- awful. It's a myth for anyone listening. If you're new here, it's a myth. We've got like a million podcasts on it. Go back to the previous episodes. <laughs> but like, was the number one money myth you see people say? Like whether that's like, there's some pretty terrible money influencers, even in my opinion. Like what's a money myth example that just like drives you crazy? Oh my gosh, there's so so many money myths. And I think a lot of people are trying to bring like investing philosophies that really applied more so 20, 30 years ago to and apply it today. And I'm like, no, we're evolving. We have to keep evolving. But just in terms of money myths, um, I think the one that I initially thought when I was younger was that saving money was the way to build wealth. And um No, I mean, obviously, we're in this phase of 9% inflation right now, right? And the cost of gas and, you know, everything is going up. I mean, really, if you have 100k in your bank account, you know, year after year, if you assume like a 2% interest rate, like 15 years, that's only worth slightly over $80,000. The bank still shows you 100,000. But I feel like banking your money is probably one of the biggest myths of all time. And it's why wealthy people don't keep much of their money in cash, because essentially you put your money in the bank, they go lend out your money multiple times. So they're essentially like, you know, like creating money. And they pay you like very little interest. And you think it's nice and safe there. 
Um, so yeah, saving money doesn't build wealth. It just decreases in value over time. What other myths are there? Oh my goodness. I feel like we could be here <laughs> for a while, but um, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. Um, investing is hard and only for super rich people. Um, this is when I first started investing, I used to have to pay a trading fee on every single trade. Um, and it also used to be like you had to buy one share. So like, say if you wanted to buy a share of Tesla and it's, you know, $850, you had to have $850. Today you can have, you know, just $20 to invest and buy a portion of Tesla if you wanted. Also, we have these amazing things like exchange traded funds, ETFs or index funds where you can invest in one investment and then you're owning a portion of the top 500 companies in the United States. So, you know, it makes investing is super easy. It's not hard to do and automation makes it simple. Um, and then one of the most common ones I would say, especially with clients, <laughs> just it, it's to invest what you, you have left after spending. You really wanna go Missy Elliott style and flip it and reverse it because you wanna <laughs> be putting money towards your financial goals first before you spend any money. So that's important to know like your income, what you have coming in each month. And then if you can have like 10%, 20% based on whatever your income level is, put that towards you know what your financial priorities are for you and then have your spending bucket and, and know what goes to that last. Um, so that's just a really powerful thing. Um, because if you if you go by the philosophy to invest what's left after spending, you know, a lot of people aren't, and I was a perfect example of this, um, that I used to spend a lot of money and there wasn't much left over to invest at the end. So yeah, it just helps you like kind of rein yourself in. Yeah, that's really, those are really good ones. I will say when I under, finally understood the way the banking system worked, it rocked my world. I was like, this is all a farce. Yeah. I everything I know is a lie like <laughs> and it makes you rethink stuff it really does it definitely does I went down the capitalism rabbit hole after 2008 and I was like what is my role in this <laughs> like as, like working and trading like the wheel. and I was like I just want to live in a resource-based economy and that would be perfect and then I was like you know what you have to play the game like investing yeah. is a game and you get ahead by playing the game and if you just think of it that way like play the game, <laughs> you know, build wealth over time. Yes. Sure. Really, really good advice. What would be a good place for someone to start? You kind of, you gave some good tips throughout the podcast too, but if someone's wanting to learn and to start investing, what would be a good like first action step or, or somewhere for resources? Yeah. So I think everyone usually skips over the step step of like getting to know yourself as an investor. And that's an important place to start. We have so many different ways to invest these days. You can invest into wine, you can invest into art, there's all these things. So there's something for everyone. So really knowing yourself, what your risk tolerance is, and then diversifying meaning, like spread your money around across like asset classes that you're interested in. Um, a lot of people start in the stock market, you know, under like in or even in crypto NFTs, we have NFTs now, but investing a small amount of money um, and especially with volatile assets, like seeing how that feels, right? Because with crypto, you know, we've had it, like some cryptocurrencies down 70% this year. So you had seven, if you had 10 grand in there, it's now worth three, like the value is three. So if that feels stressful to you, maybe you want to do something a little bit more conservative. So you want to really kind of figure things out and and learn more. I mean, you can learn a lot from social media, YouTube. I mean, take it with a grain of salt. You definitely want to learn from people who have experienced it and been through it, right? And who are really like walking the talk. So um, yeah, I would say the simplest thing for a lot of people is just going to like a Vanguard and starting to invest in like an S&P 500 ETF, um, automating that and is really where, where a lot of people start and make investing just super simple for themselves. And then they nice. venture out from there. It's so funny how many parallels there there are between what I would tell someone with nutrition and the financial health and wellness piece. Cause I'm always like the first step is to understand and like for this sure. mind body awareness of like, well, what's actually happening. So it's just, I'm loving it. Like so many just like light bulb moments listening to you talk on this podcast. So this has been great. 
what are ways people can connect and work with you and like where do you hang out on the internet if someone has a question or is interested and wants to reach out yeah i'm always you know my dms on instagram are always open i hang out there most so if you have a question feel free to shoot it to me there um and i'm at lisa siri finance on instagram um and yeah so i always have multiple ways to work with me whether it's you know one-on-one group programs you know free master classes paid master classes so yeah just reach out, connect, you know, send me a note, say hello. And if you're interested in something, if something sparks your interest, you know, like hop into something. Yeah. So we're going to link up um, your Instagram and website in the show notes. I highly recommend mm-hmm. following her Instagram. It's so much fun. Yeah, I just did. Yeah. It's so much fun. There's like, it's life. It's your, you get to share all your amazing rituals and you share a lot of really good information about what's going on in the world in finance. And I've done multiple of your programs actually and we've worked together one-on-one all of it an amazing experience so highly recommend reaching out if you're curious and at least having a conversation because lisa's great and i just really want to thank you so much for giving everyone your time and your expertise and like this is so awesome that you came on here our first official podcast out of like 60 something where we actually talked about financial wellness yeah (laughs) well i'm here for it yeah (laughs) Thanks for having me. I had such a good time with you guys. So this is really great. Awesome. Yeah. Sweet. Cool. Well, on that note, um, I will close us out here. Um, <laughs> Ro, Nicole, and I are all accepting clients. Ro is the exercise performance guru, soon to be Dr. Robo. Soon. <laughs> I know he loves when I so give him close. these like goofy so as hell like close. shout outs. <laughs> Um, Nicole is our non-diet dietitian helping you know your body better so that you can feel better through nutrition and lifestyle support. Myself and the amazing West Nutrition Co. team, we specialize in supporting active bodies and solving digestive and hormonal symptoms. If you guys ever have any questions, please reach out. Shoot us a DM. We are at Health Unfiltered Pod. We love seeing those questions of the week, so keep them them coming. Um, rate us, share us, and leave a review only if they're nice. You can send the mean one to Rose DMs. That's me, where baby. I recommend you know those goes. get diverted. <laughs> uh, uh, but on that note, Ro, would you like to take us out? Of course. We'll cue that music. It's been so long since I've been the one to say it. But Woo. I always love it. <laughs> All right. Peace out, y'all. Thanks for coming on, Lisa. Thank you. Bye, guys. <laughs>